The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And you're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum discussing the New York Giants' recent victory over the Washington Redskins 24-3. Now, I have to elude uh, today's episode with the fact that we were not able to get out a quick take show, and I just wanted to briefly apologize for the inconvenience of not having that content out. Um, We had a minor scheduling issue because, as many of you know, I am a long snapper at the University of Rhode Island, and our coaches decided to have an unannounced practice right after the game as soon as it finished, so it, it kind of conflicted with our typical recording schedule i promise though i will not allow something like that to happen again chris and i will be still giving you our quick takes so like i said the giants did end up getting the victory this weekend but there was a major caveat that came with that victory and that's our first news headline which is ryan Connolly, rookie linebacker from wisconsin will be out with a torn acl but it is also worth noting that recently the giants claimed an outside linebacker and edge player in chris peace from uva so chris how is this linebacking situation looking at the moment? Uh, looks a little thin, I'd say. Right now, the Giants are kind of hoping that they can get Tay Davis and or Alec Ogletree back from injury this week because they're, they're facing a good team in the Minnesota Vikings. And right now, they're looking at Nate Stupar and David Mayo starting for them at linebacker. I think we'll probably get to this a little bit more later. I was reasonably impressed with mayo but that's still not an ideal situation for them yeah not ideal considering you have those two guys in tay davis and alec ogletree who are capable of playing right away and at an average level at best it doesn't help that the two injuries that they're trying to recover from a hamstring for ogletree and a concussion for tay davis that both of them have tough timetables for return especially a hamstring in a position that you're expected to be able to run and move quickly from sideline to sideline for Alec Ogletree because if that thing's nagging you you have to essentially keep yourself off your feet keep yourself from doing those explosive movements until you completely have no issues with it at all and I've, I've had hamstring issues before those things can really nag and continue to bother you especially even if he gets healthy throughout the season and then the concussion is obviously just a case of being and clearing protocol which for some guys takes a lot longer than other players 
now we're going to go into doing our typical breakdown of the game, giving you the positives and negatives from both sides of the ball. Offensively, Chris, what is our per, our first positive from the victory over the Washington Redskins? I would have to say Daniel Jones not being sacked. And very specifically, a sack, and almost a should have been sack, he turned into a 16-yard pickup, really. Yeah, an almost sack that he was able to elude. And I put this in our notes in saying that Daniel Jones is a tough SOB to take down. You really don't even consider how big and strong he is when you look at him because he does seem a little thin and 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 and, and long in that sense. But he is a tough, strong kid whenever he's taking contact. It's been two weeks in a row where we've seen plays that were almost certain sacks that you, you're looking at the play and you're thinking like, oh, great, it's another sack or oh, the, the third down and long situation is, is dead here. We're, we're going to have to punt. And he comes squeaking right out of that thing and ends up finding uh, an opportunity to either get the ball off or get a first down. Yeah, you know, I have to say the Washington defensive coaches might have some things to say to their players when they take a look at the tape again, particularly with regards to their tackling. Jones's ability to stay on his feet even while he's weathering arm tackles or attempted arm tackles, that's nice to see. That does speak to his athletic ability, his size, and it always kind of amazes me how you can have a six foot four, six foot five, two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty pound quarterback look small behind offensive linemen but those guys are ginormous. I don't know if the Washington defensive coaches will have much to say in the next few weeks because there's a pretty good chance they might end up getting fired. Um, well, yeah. somebody's, <laughs> somebody should be saying something to them. Yeah, something should, someone should be saying something to them. We just don't know who considering the um, that situation for their coaching staff and the possibility of Jay Gruden and a number of other coaches being fired in the next few weeks because of a lack of production. So another positive, though, that we noticed from the game was the performance of Wayne Gallman, and most specifically, his efforts in the receiving game, his efforts as being able to be a potential secondary threat that can come in on third down if Saquon Barkley needs a, a break here and there. He ended up finishing with six catches for 55 yards and that wonderful touchdown on the first score of the game for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed with the way Gallman played, even though he fumbled the ball towards the end of the game, which you know is obviously always a bad thing. But his game as a whole was really good. He looked good running the ball. I think he showed a, a bit of shiftiness and agility we hadn't really seen from him previously. When he was starting briefly in 2017, you know, maybe when he came on on those rare times Barkley needed some relief last year. I actually wouldn't mind if the Giants planned to give him some whole drives once Saquon Barkley returns to health because he is he isn't a dynamic back but he is a do-it-all back he can keep an offense on schedule he can pass protect he can catch the football and he can run the football I think he does have what it takes to be a starting running back in the NFL just not for a team that also has Saquon Barkley (laughs) that's a very good point about being able to start, it just so happens that Saquon Barkley is the guy currently ahead of him. But you put it there perfectly. We were able to acknowledge that he is a top-level number two running back, and they can use him in any situation that they need him to. Now, he's not as explosive as Saquon Barkley. He's not as much of a game-changer as Saquon Barkley is. But it's good to know that when Saquon Barkley is getting a lot of touches and carries, when he needs that quick break on you know, after a third down or on a, uh, a a next drive after maybe he has a big rush, something like that, that he can just come in, do his job, do his role, and do it effectively and pick up those yards in those big chunk plays. 
Yeah, and that's really what what he did for Clemson that last year. He he wasn't coming off the field, but he was picking up those plays. He was getting chunks of yardage. He wasn't making you know huge fifty five yard gains from turning nothing into a highlight reel. But he was just very very consistent. He did everything the offense asked of him. Yeah, it did everything that was asked of him, and that really had um, an impact on the game. Although now there are obvious negatives that came from the, this this victory for the Giants because they did end up playing a sloppy Redskins team, which we're going to get to more so on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the first negative, though, being Daniel Jones throwing two interceptions, his first two interceptions of his NFL career, and they weren't exactly the smartest decisions. What did you see from those plays, Chris? I saw a quarterback staring his receiver down and telling the defense exactly what was coming. Both times, actually, I think we'll say all three times because he should have been picked off a third time, but Josh Norman dropped the ball. It just went right through his hands. Jones really never looked anywhere else except for where he was going to be going with the football. And then it just seemed he patted the ball a few times, hung on to it a little bit longer than he should have, and let Quentin Dunbar undercut the route and just take the ball away. I don't want to make any excuses for Daniel Jones, but this goes in, in line with what I said after the Bucks game in our breakdown of that game when they got the victory, that there are going to be ups and downs to his season. He's obviously going to throw interceptions. He's going to make boneheaded rookie mistakes. It just so happens that it ended up being against a very bad team, so those mistakes didn't really affect the outcome of the score. It's better that he makes these mistakes now earlier on in his career in these early games and that he learns from them, that he knows when not to force the ball and when not to look down a receiver for too long and also to better time some things. That first interception was really the result of him looking at Sterling Shepard for too long and then deciding to throw it right as Quinton Dunbar was able to come down and make a play. So those weren't the only two turnovers in the game. There were also two fumbles by Hilleman and Wayne Gallman in situations that you don't really want fumbles. Is that going to be really a cause of concern? I don't think so. I I think we've seen enough from Gallman to know he doesn't really have a whole lot of ball security concerns. Hilleman, he is an undrafted rookie. We, ha- we haven't seen much from him. We'll probably see him on the field more, just backing up Gallman while we wait for Barkley to get back healthy. Once, I don't think, is a problem. And this goes for all three players. The problem, I think, would come is if they keep making these mistakes, keep having ball security issues. If Jones doesn't learn to be more judicious with the ball, maybe get through his reads a little bit quicker, not, or sorry, get through his reads a little bit quicker, maybe have better eye discipline. And if Hillman and Gallman play with, better ball security, tuck it away, protect the ball as they're going into contact. You know, like, you remember we used to see Ahmad Bradshaw. He would always get two hands on the ball whenever he, whenever contact was coming. It would be nice to see them play with that kind of ball security. But right now, once is not great. I, they had awesome timing to do it against a team that was just completely inept. I don't think it really becomes a problem unless we see these issues persist and not get fixed. 
I think part of it might be a case of just inexperience for them. John Hilleman's obviously a, a rookie from Rutgers, and um, Wayne Gallman additionally is um, not as experienced in getting as many reps because of Saquon Barkley being ahead of him. So I'm, I'm not ultimately that concerned because they're not getting that many touches. touches. As soon as Saquon Barkley comes back, Gallman's going to go back to that second role, secondary role of being the backup running back. So it, it doesn't really give you a lot of confidence right now, but still I think those issues will be resolved. They'll be fixed just because there is an overall lack of experience. Yeah, and like you said, Saquon Barkley will be coming back at some point. Yeah, one point eventually they will be back, so hopefully there aren't any more issues with fumbling the ball from the running back position. Now we're going to take the thing a look at how things look defensively, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now on to the defensive side of the ball, and this game was very interesting to evaluate defensively, specifically for the reason of how many penalties were incurred by the Washington Redskins and how overall sloppy they were, especially without starters and elite players like Terry McLaurin and Brandon Scherf. Eventually, we did have Dwayne Haskins come into this game in relief of Case Keenum, who had an abysmal start to his game. However, there are positives and negatives that we can at least give some insight on. And the first one being the amount of sacks and turnovers they were able to rack up. Four forced turnovers, four picks being all of them, and three sacks that were uh, racked up in this game. So overall, pretty good uh, defensive performance, right, Chris? Yeah, definitely. The, definitely uh, the defense definitely looked as if it was playing faster than we had seen in previous weeks, especially at the start of the game. I think that had something to do with the Giants playing a more aggressive, especially a, a more aggressive style of defense, especially in the in the secondary. They were playing man coverage right from the first snap, and I think that showed in how comfortable Janoris Jenkins and DeAndre Baker looked. Yeah, they did really look more comfortable, and Janoris Jenkins ended up having two interceptions in a better day. It does end up helping, obviously, when you're not facing very good receivers and you're facing a quarterback who is throwing his first passes of his career. But they ended up spreading things out as far as the guys that had the sacks. There wasn't a single guy that had – oh, sorry, there was one guy that had one lone sack, and that was Ryan Connolly, who was 
obviously out for the remainder of the season, but the remainder of the the, the two sacks was spread evenly between O'Shane Zimenez, Marcus Golden, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Tazar Skipper. So I think that's pretty positive seeing that a number of different guys can make those plays when they're given the opportunity to. They might not possess an elite pass rusher right now, but at least it's positive seeing that there's these young guys going out there and making plays. Yeah, and the defense is is swarming to the ball. They're getting multiple guys getting to the ball on just about every play. So, you know, like you say, they don't have a an elite pass rusher. They don't have Khalil Mack. They don't have Von Miller. But they do have a number of players working together to make plays. And there certainly were a lot of plays that they made in this past game. And now the other positive that we had, and it's a little bit simpler just for the reason of how sloppy the Washington Redskins looked, and that is their ability to capitalize on mistakes this week. They did not stoop to the level of their opponent because they were facing a team that was incredibly depleted of talent, and they were able to capitalize on those issues. They were able to get those turnovers, one of them resulting in a pick six by Jabril Peppers, and then overall just taking those opportunities that were giving to them. Um, missed assignments and blocking, you need to take those sacks, make those plays. They were able to have a consistent day in doing that all around. Yeah, I would even expand that to say both sides of the wall capitalized on Washington's mistakes. The defense kept Washington from getting points off of the Giants' turnovers. The Giants did a good job on offense of really making something of drives when Washington did them the favor of committing penalties and extending those drives for them. This probably could have been a trap game for the Giants, but they didn't they didn't fall into the trap. They didn't play a perfectly clean great game themselves, but they at least they didn't play down to the quality of their opponents. That was really a key here because a lot of people coming into this game assumed and thought that this game should be a walkover win considering the difference in talent and they were able to do exactly that they were able to come out swinging they were able to work through some early mistakes and capitalize on a victory in which a rookie quarterback who was not really prepared to play at the moment um, struggled at times so we were not really able to formulate any serious negatives just because that the Washington Redskins were incredibly sloppy they had a immense number of turnovers I or not turnovers penalties rather to the point that I really don't even have a count of them it's not even worth checking it was well over 10 there were also some in which the Giants declined so that number is even higher so a lot of mistakes by this team a team that has been bit by the injury bug early really can't evaluate any negatives from this that was just from Washington's side of things, just a terrible game. They never really looked competitive at any point in the game. Every time they would make a play, and they did have instances where they had big plays, but they were immediately wiped out by penalties, which I did happen to have this open in front of me. There were 12 accepted penalties for Washington. And just to put that in context, they had 15 completions. That was just a terrible game. And that's a little bit frustrating because while all wins count, all wins are great, we don't really have a sense of where the Giants are as a team, as a team that is in the middle of rebuilding based on this game. Because yes, they held their opponent to three points, but 
their opponent held themselves to three points. They could not get out of their own way with a tow truck and a map. I, I think that this game is going to be important for evaluating the tape just because they need to understand what worked. And obviously, they're they're going against a, a bottom-feeding team right now in the league. They're going against a team that's probably not going to win many football games. And then it was also at their lowest low, considering the issues that they were dealing with, their best players being hurt. So not a ton you can really get from looking at this game defensively from evaluating that tape. Um, but something does need to be acknowledged from it because going forward, whatever worked needs to be focused on because there's going to be some tougher games down the road. Yeah, and I would definitely focus on keeping up the emphasis on aggressive coverage in the secondary. It lo- I noticed the Giants were playing some dime defense on obvious passing situations. They would take Mayo and Connolly both out of the game and replace them with defensive backs. That seemed to help. It helped the defense play faster. And it seemed to create a little bit of confusion on the part of the Washington offense. So that's something I would probably continue. And they had the defense playing downhill, playing a pretty aggressive one-gap scheme, at least early. Those were things, I think, that were successful they should look at continuing. After this victory, it puts the Giants at 2-2, and which is relatively an unexpected start. I don't know about you, Chris, but I was not really expecting a successful start at 2-2. Two and two. I, It's not that I wasn't optimistic of the season, but none of us really knew that Daniel Jones was going to come in and look like a, a pretty competent starter in his first two career starts. So for that reason, it's worth acknowledging and discussing how the outlook of the NF- NFC East is at the moment. So we're a quarter of the way through the season as far as games played. The Dallas Cowboys suffered their first loss, and they're 3-1 and one after losing to the Saints. Right behind them is the Eagles, who picked up a victory over the Green Bay Packers on Thursday Night Football. The Giants at 2-2 two and two as well, and then right behind them is the 0-4 Washington Redskins. So, Chris, what I'm kind of curious is how do you expect – them, if they continue on this trajectory and they continue to play well, how do you expect the NFC East standings to look? Do you expect them to kind of stick in that third spot and maybe be hovering a little bit below and around 500? Right now, I think that's a, that's probably a pretty good expectation. I don't think they're going to be able to overtake the Eagles. And as much as I hate to say it right now, Dallas looks like the class of the division. And Washington is right where they belong. They have earned where they are just through all of the issues they are going through. I don't think the Giants will overtake them in the cellar, but I also I don't exactly see them overtaking the Eagles either. I still firmly believe that this team is going to hit its mark at around 500. If they're a little bit over it, that's a pretty big positive if they somehow finish 9-7, and seven. but I would say in that 6-10, uh, 7-9 range is really realistic because they did the Bucks ended up being better than people expected because they ended up being the beating the Rams, but this victory over the Redskins ended up being a bit of a handout, and they do have some tougher games going forward. For them to finish with a good record, you would need them to play very, very well against the Eagles and the Cowboys, and just looking at an overall comparison defensively, they just don't match up very well with either of those offenses. So just being realistic, I think that third spot is about where that sounds right, 
But I don't think that's really a huge negative if they finish in third. This team, which we've been talking about the whole year, is rebuilding. They're finding their identity. They're trying to develop these young players. And if you finish with around 500 with that record, that is a huge positive for a team that is mostly filled with guys that are under 25. Yeah, and to get there, they're going to have to have more weeks like this where they win the games they're supposed to win. And then maybe they'll be able to catch some more teams by surprise like they did with Tampa Bay last week, who I think pretty obviously seemed to prematurely take a victory lap once they went into halftime with an 18-point lead and Saquon Barkley out of the game. Yeah, that Buccaneers win was really an example of them catching someone off guard because I honestly believe that Buccaneers team is going to be pretty good uh, in, a, in the NFC South. There might be a lot of people doubting them and think they're still the same bottom-feeding team, but if you can go and put over 50 points on the Los Angeles Rams, that's a pretty big deal. So big key here is winning the games that you're expected to win that being those of the bottom-feeding ones, like they have to play the Jets, they have to play the Redskins again. Those are the games that they need to come out and win. But they're probably going to be in tight games with better opponents, and they might not come out with that victory, which is essentially where you would end up getting that around 500 look. Yeah, and they do have a a tough game coming up this week with the Vikings. We'll be taking a closer look at that later in the week, but it's something we should at least start thinking about. Yeah, we are both already thinking about this game, especially considering that they fell to Chase Daniel leading the Bears. So we're going to take a look at the tape. We're going to get back to you on Thursday, giving you our breakdown and analysis of that game. So be sure to be waiting for that one to come. But make sure you rate, subscribe, and give us some feedback wherever you're listening to us. Uh, You can also find us pretty much any location you can find a podcast In addition to that, though, make sure you go and follow us on any social media, that being at BigBlueView on Twitter. Also follow me and Chris on, sorry, Chris and I on Twitter, um, at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And Chris's handle is at Raptor, M-K-I-I. Also be sure to follow the Instagram account at Big underscore Blue underscore View. That's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in.